Aloha and welcome to Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. Today I'm delighted and honored to be speaking with Dr. Jude Curvin, a cosmologist, sensitive healer, Hay House author, visionator, visionary, and educator. Growing up as the daughter of a coal miner in England, Jude is now based in near Avebury, England. From an early age, Jude began experiencing multidimensional realities and has researched consciousness, perennial wisdom, and metaphysics since early childhood. Jude holds a Ph.D. in archaeology, having researched ancient cosmologies and a master's degree in physics from Oxford University with a specialty in cosmology and quantum physics. During a highly successful business career, Jude obtained extensive experience in merging her intuitive gifts into practical and creative approaches for managing organizational and cultural change. Her corporate career culminated in her being the group finance director of two major international companies. In the early 1990s, Jude had the distinction of being the most senior businesswoman in all of Britain. In 1996, Jude chose to take her work beyond the corporate world and began research into consciousness and spiritual wisdom to explain and experience the emerging awareness of integral reality. A leading pioneer in this new emerging revolutionary and empowering worldview, Jude has worked with wisdom keepers of many traditions. She leads groups on sacred journeys throughout the world. Her book, The Thirteenth Step, recounts the revelatory and transformational experiences of a series of pilgrimages she led between 2001 and 2006 to Egypt, South Africa, China, Alaska, Peru, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, Easter Island, Hawaii, Britain, and Israel. In 2004, Jude completed a second PhD with her thesis entitled Walking Between Worlds, an exploration of ancient wisdom teachings, the landscape embodiment of cosmology, and the connection between people, the earth, and the wider cosmos. Jude is also the author of The Wave, The Eighth Chakra, Cosmos, a co-creator's guide to the whole world, co-authored with Dr. Irvine Laszlo, and Heart, Mind, and Purpose, a double CD of her teachings and attunements. Jude's books have already been translated into ten languages. Jude works worldwide to empower others, raise awareness, and facilitate practical and sustainable harmony, co-creativity, and wholeness. In addition to her writing and healing work, Jude is a sought-after speaker at international conferences and appears in the media on radio and TV. Today, Jude will share information with us about the upcoming Aquarian Alignment on February 14th, a rare astrological concentration of planets with the North Node, denoting higher purpose, and the possibility for a transcendental breakthrough in some of our world's seemingly most intransigent situations. Please visit Jude's website, judecuravan.com. That's J-U-D-E-C-U-R-R-I-V-A-N.com to learn more about her upcoming sacred journeys. That's judecuravan.com. If you're ready to experience more of the exciting and emerging visionary and future potentialities for our world, then today's show is for you. Please welcome to the show my very special guest, Dr. Jude Curvin. Welcome to the show, dear Jude. Such a blessing to have you with us. Okay, Jude, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a delight to be here, and, and welcome to all our listeners. Well, uh, you live in Avebury. Tell us something about Avebury. 
Well, Avebury has been a, a sacred landscape for at least 6,000 years. A lot of uh, our listeners will be familiar with Stonehenge, mm-hmm. um, but Avebury is, in, is huge. Um, an, an antiquarian back in the 17th century said that Avebury to Stonehenge was lot, rather like a cathedral to a parish church. Mm-hmm. Um, but both sites um, work together, and of course, both monuments, the Avebury, which is a vast what's called here a henge, which means um, a, a ditch and a bank that surrounds, in, in Avery's uh, case, a huge stone circle with, with inner stone circles. But as for Stonehenge, both are part of a much vaster sacred land, um, landscape where the monuments within the landscape interact and reflect each other. Mm-hmm. So I've had the joy of being here and living in this landscape and learning from the, the, the discarnate guardians of the mm-hmm. sites uh, for the last 14 years. Mm-hmm. And the elemental uh, forces, and generally in the UK, are are still very intact, is what I've found. Because uh, I've oh, lived yes. in I've lived in the UK up in Finhorn, as ah. well as in uh, as well as in East Sussex down in Forest Road, right. and traveled traveled all over that area. And it's the nature spirits are still so intact. And it's it's amazing how there's such concentrations of people, but there's always the gardens and the the fields and the and I know that don't they have a day in in England where people go and walk all the pathways and stuff so they are stayed they are kept open it's like the right of way or something is kept open through the landscape or something is that right? We do. In fact, there are a number of of things, and these initiatives and these traditions and new initiatives are, I think, becoming more and more important to us. I think, generally, as a people, we have a very, very ancient and and sacred contract with the land. You know, the the fact that the Arthurian legends are based here, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the, the priest king's contract with the land and the divine feminine within the land is something that I think even if people in their busy lives aren't perhaps conscious of, there's a deeper subconscious connection. Very but definitely. now, yes, we, we there's a right to roam, which means that anybody can roam pretty much anywhere um, throughout Britain. We're, we're trying to open up the coastal pathways as well mm-hmm. to that. And also there's a group called Gatekeeper here, which actually follows the old pilgrimage routes. Mm-hmm. So they're now being energized. It's rather like the song lines in Australia that the Aborigines walk, mm-hmm. um, because what it does is it keeps the, the, the connection uh, in the Australians, yes. the dream time, the Chirkapa. Here we, we possibly don't have a name for it, but, but it's a, a sacred contract between us and the land, yes. and it keeps that relationship alive yes. and ever, ever co-creative. Yes. Oh, that's so wonderful. So tell us something about yourself and your journey, Jude. Oh, how long have we got? <laughs> um, I, I think my journey could be described as the scenic route because I had my first psychic, if you like, experience when I was four years old. I was settling down to sleep and a discarnate presence uh, came into my room and started speaking to me. And that turned out to be Thoth, the ancient oh. Egyptian wisdom bringer. And Thoth wow. has been my blessed uh, mentor, if you like, throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was walking between worlds and have been walking between worlds all my life. So when I began to study cosmology and, and, and science, it was really to understand not just how the, the universe, the physical realms of the universe, 
are, is, but also how the multidimensionality of the cosmos and the consciousness that is the cosmos manifests itself. So it's about a lifelong journey to understand not only how the universe is as it is, but why. Well, were your psychic, early psychic experiences supported by your, your parents or...? Well, you know, it's something, KG, that I've only really thought about very recently because um, from the age of four, when I was four, I was starting with, with false guidance to study astronomy and ancient Egyptian wisdom teachings and, and, and quantum physics. I mean, you know, the usual stuff that a four-year-old will, will go into. Um, and my parents, my mum and my dad, were, even though it was very much a, a very... Um, a working class environment. You know, my dad was a miner, my mum a housewife. They had no experience of any of this, but they were incredibly supportive. But the, the funny thing is, I never told them or uh -huh. anyone else until I was an adult about Thoth and about my psychic experiences, my discarnate experiences. And it wasn't because I was afraid that they would um, discourage them. It just never occurred to me mm -hmm. to share that. Uh-huh. So how do you feel the bigger picture that you're sharing <laughs> is going to help us to deal with the turmoil of current events? Well, you know, I'm a scuba diver. I love, I love um, you know, scuba diving. What I noticed many years ago, it was just a, a, an insight that is a very simple insight, but it, it stayed with me, is that, you know, we can't understand an ocean by just looking at the waves on its surface. And equally, we can't understand the world and the purpose and the meaning of events if we're just looking at the what we see manifest. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for me, trying to understand a tuning with the bigger picture, the deeper currents, the tidal currents that yes. are in play, you know, the causes of, of, of conflicts the, on a personal levels within our lives and on a collective level, I think a key to then dealing with and really appreciating the, the, the real reasons and the, the highest purpose for what may appear on the surface to be very challenging and, and, and chaotic turmoil mm -hmm. at times. Mm -hmm. So connecting with the deeper currents of our being. Very much. Uh, yeah, can, it can help us to settle within it ourselves. Can. I think it's crucial because I think if we, rather like a swimmer on the surface ocean, I always remember the first time I, I had my scuba gear on and I was in Fiji, which is a wonderful place to learn to scuba dive, mm -hmm. but I was, I was taken out on a small boat in what was a very, very choppy sea yes. and I was told by the dive master to just go backwards off the back of the boat uh -huh. into the, this turmoil, the, these waves. Wow. And as I, as I did, I, I began to hyperventilate. I was terrified. Wow. And I was bumping, bouncing up and down. And, and, you know, the dive master then, who was already in the water, mm -hmm. came to me and he just took my head in between his hands and he turned my head so that instead of, you know, looking around me at the very choppy ocean, yes. I just beneath the waves yes. and I saw this magical realm beneath me and yes. all my fear just disappeared yes yes it felt more welcoming sounds like <laughs> it was welcoming and I really understood the calm the, mm -hmm. the, the real purpose and the calm mm -hmm. that underlay all of the of the, the waves all the yes. time 
Yes. That uh, that is constant. That is constant. It's it always constant. there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Holding everything, <laughs> embracing and holding everything. Yes. Can you please share with us your understanding of the astrological alignment that's happening mid-February that you're calling the Aquarian alignment? I'd love to because this is a this is a discovery of spirit. It really is. Um, I I'd read that there were a cluster of, of planets in the in the Aquarius mm-hmm. during mid-February, and when I researched a little more, I appreciated that they took place in the 13th and 14th of February. Mm-hmm. But other than that, which is which is important and, and rare in itself. Um, I, I really didn't read much more, and then I had the the guidance, the spiritual guidance, mm-hmm. to look at the dawn on the 14th of, of February, mm-hmm. and especially to look at it from the, if you like, the prime meridian, which is the meridian that runs through Greenwich in England, that gives us our time, our mm-hmm. universal time. Mm-hmm. We measure time from that point, and we also measure longitude. Uh, i.e. our space around the, the world from that point. And when I, I looked at dawn on the 14th of February at the Prime Meridian, mm-hmm. something extraordinary and exquisite came forward. And it wasn't just the cluster of the planets in Aquarius mm-hmm. in the 12th house. It was also the moon just moving at that moment into the 7th house. Yes. And that reminded me of, of the song Aquarius, and the song goes, when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will guide the planets and love will steer the stars. And I shivers went down my wow. spine. Yes. And at 5 a.m. on that morning, because Spirit woke me at 3.30 and mm-hmm. said, look at this. Yes. <laughs> and I said, no, I'd like to sleep some yes. more. And they said, no, look at this. And it was just extraordinary because at 7.25 a.m., on the dawn of St. Valentine's Day, which yes. is the day of love, on the 14th of February, the cosmos actually embodies this perfect alignment that mm-hmm. the song talks about. Yes. It's just remarkable. And I write about this. There's a, an article on my website um, which talks about the Aquarian alignment. And essentially, I believe it denotes, the en- it energizes, inspires us with the possibility for transcendental breakthrough. Yes. All of the planets come together in the most extraordinary way. And what's remarkable is that not only do they do this in, in the essence of breakthrough, mm-hmm. um, but Jupiter and Mars are within a few degrees of each other uh-huh. with the North Node. Now, the North Node that astrologers will be appreciative of is represents our highest purpose. Yes. So not only is Jupiter energizing this, expanding this this intention, and Mars energizing it, but they come together with the North Node yes. that says this is our highest purpose yes. of being here, to bring love and peace, to manifest it collectively in the world at this time. It truly is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Yeah, and, and the presence of Chiron, certainly. We all have Chiron, the wounded healer. You know, it's it's the healing, the opportunity for the healing, you know, of the, the schisms, of the, the wounds that we've carried and the collective unconscious 
Indeed, so. Neptune there is emphasizing, you know, collective humanitarian movements, mm -hmm. the co-creation of social justice, mm -hmm. and the sun is there enlightening the entire alignment. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. I, I, so. Are you there? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. So, well, Aquarius is uh, is about, you know, relationships and groups and causes and networking and very much, you know, about the a, a very modern visionary um, impulse, I guess you could say. So, um, it, it does seem to highlight an an important area of our the north node will be the north node since it's Greenwich Mean Time will be everybody's north node right wherever that Absol north node is right absolutely so this is like that. for every every person on the planet this is everyone's true north so to speak <laughs> this is everybody this is yes. truly our collective yes. impulse yes. because by doing it at you know that point of universal time and yes. space but also whether people want to make their attunement. It lasts for 18 minutes with this yes. exquisite balance from 7.25 a.m. at universal time. Yes. Or whether they want to do it at 7.25 a.m. their local time, because of course when we do that around the world, it also energizes a wave that goes right. around the world. Right, right, right. So it's whatever people feel inspired or called to. Is would be what was would be right for them. Absolutely. Yes, and also, um, uh, I think if individuals would look, if they want to see the area of their their own chart, their own astrological chart, that's really being an opportunity given to them. Just look where in your chart the North Node is. You know where this concentration of planets is, and you would have insights into your own life purpose and how this you can you know, bring this energy into your own individual life. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, the other thing I would say is that, you know, I, I realized that, that this was a very rare astrological event, but I didn't know how rare it was until I went back uh, over 500 years. Mm -hmm. And I got bored after 500 years, I uh -huh. have to say, but I did go back 500 years. There's been nothing like it except, and this is absolutely wonderful, in 1962, mm -hmm. on the 14th of February, at this mm -hmm. exact moment, mm -hmm. the moon was again in the seventh house. Yes. Jupiter and Mars were aligned in Aquarius, not yes. with the full alignment this time. But then, instead of the North Node being there, it was in opposition, but the South Node was there. Uh -huh. So in 1962, and we all, well, some of us may remember, oh, yes. <laughs> the coming of the Beatles, the coming of you know, this energy was brought through through the south node, yes. but it wasn't able to manifest until this moment in time. Yes. Well, these 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 waves of uh, of cycles uh, to our way of thinking, it seems like vast amounts of time passes. But and the from the perspective of the infinite, it's hardly a moment. <laughs> You know, it's like an in-breath and an out-breath. <laughs> and you know, that's exactly what this feels. It feels as though we took the in-breath mm -hmm. in 1962 mm -hmm. on the 14th of February at dawn. That was the in-breath with the potentiality 
to manifest the, 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 the age mm -hmm. of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. We've now, on the 14th of February 2009, at that exact time, can take the out-breath. We mm -hmm. can manifest it. Yes, and around that time was the last time, wasn't it, that we had the Uranus opposition to Saturn that is happening? Actually, I, I didn't find, I, I mean, it may well be. I didn't concentrate on that, but it may yeah. well be. And of course, Which know, breaks again, up the old structures. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, with Pluto moving into Capricorn, I feel this year is very much about the old structures going. And, yes. and, you know, with Pluto having moved into Capricorn last year, I saw last year many astrologers did I know as a tipping point year. And where um, the, the love of power began, began to be transmuted into the power of love. Mm -hmm. Yes. And today, we're recording on January 26th, Monday, January 26th. It's the Chinese New Year of the Earth Ox, which is damp earth, which is wonderful for uh, planting new seeds of intention. We're right here at the new moon, and, which is a great time for planting new seeds. And also, the Earth Ox, I understand, is... Uh, this year is, is about more cooperation and working together. So I think it is a very auspicious moment uh, in, in, our, in our history on Earth. So uh, I think it's enormously important. Of course, as well today, with that new moon, there's also a solar eclipse. Yes, and, and a full, a a full solar lunar eclipse on the 9th yeah. of February. So again, we're yeah. energizing, as you say, with the Earth ox, we're energizing new shoots, new beginnings. Yes. And of course, Barack Obama is an ox. Yes, yes. And I see the eclipses there like, especially we have this one is a full, uh, a full solar eclipse. And so it's like an opening, a gateway opening. I yeah, also see it as like a portal opening, and I think this whole year can be about that. We're in a, uh, uh, this year is a 2009 year, which is an 11 year, which is a year of mastery. It is. So um, we're really coming into taking responsibility and owning responsibility in that we become masters of our, of our fate, you know, and activate our destiny, our potentials. Totally agree with you. I mean, the, the, the second verse of the song Aquarius is harmony and understanding, sympathy and trust mm -hmm. abounding. No more falsehoods or derisions, golden living dreams of visions, mystic crystal revelation, and the mind's true liberation. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm just oh, I'm chilled all over. It's like, whoa. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That was wonderful. So what do you feel will be the bigger picture themes for 2009, Jude? Well, KG, I think we've touched on them already. I think the, the, the financial sort of, if you like, collapse of, of last year, um, I was told by Spirit a year before that that it would be coming last year. And I think what that does is for, 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 for it really is the, the, an opportunity for a radical change because... Mm. Um, I think on that bigger picture is about the whole shift in the, the way we actually measure economics. You know, our whole economic basis has been um, GDP, uh, GNP is, is a measure of consumerism, ultimately consumerism yes. and, and competitiveness or conflict. So I think this is a huge opportunity, not just to regulate the financial systems, but to actually move 
the economic basis of, of our social um, uh, interaction from consumerism to custodianship mm -hmm. and from competition to co-creativity. Mm -hmm. And I think we need, we've got that we've got the you know people have been working on these new economics for a long time. Yes, the principles and the and the models are there, but until yes. now they've not been heard. Yes. and I think now they will be heard. Yes, everything is already in place and will be emerging. As the yeah. old g gives way, these new things will just come into view. And I think the one of the keys is just to relax, maybe to meditate through the whole. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I think every day, you know, attuning. And, and I work now with the universal heart, the eighth chakra, as, mm -hmm. as I wrote about in my book. Um, and that really takes us beyond the level of our personality-based consciousness. Yes. It really takes us to that transcendental level yes. while still being fully, if you like, grounded yes. within our human experience. Yes. But it takes us beyond the selfishness yes. of, of the personality and the fear of the personality. Yes. So yes. we can see this bigger picture yes. and, and with compassion yes. and with wisdom. And that then enables us to bring through whatever in our own lives yes. Yes. Is, is our highest purpose. Yes. Yeah, well, you start seeing the synchronicities and the patterns at work, and you just have insights into, you know, there's just such, you know, something that you can trust and that loves us, that is moving through us and moving through all of creation, and is just, and aligning with that, opening to a, a tuning and aligning, and and being a, a vessel for that, being a holy yes. vessel for that. Yes, yeah, so. absolutely. So tell us about your new book, Cosmos, that eminent reviewers are calling one of the most extraordinary, fascinating, and, and important books of our time and essential reading for world leaders and a key to the evolution of people's consciousness. Well, it's a book that I co-authored with Irvin Laszlo, and, and Irvin invited me to co-author a book with him, which I was absolutely delighted to do. And its subtitle is A Co-Creator's Guide to the Whole World, because what we both feel is that, again, it's the bigger picture. If we're looking at our own journey of self-discovery and aligning with the cosmos and the, 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 the shift that is gathering pace, what we really wanted to do is to, to bring forward um, a vision of a, a whole, the whole world. You know, mainstream science for so long has tried to persuade us that the world is, is random and fragmented and meaningless. And there is so much evidence now accumulating at the leading edge of science and the frontier of research into consciousness that in fact we can only understand the cosmos as a truly a whole fully integrated world and all that we call reality as integral and where consciousness, cosmic mind, ourselves as both the microcosm of cosmic mind and the oneness um, is, is consciousness exploring itself and although there are a number of books out there about the new physics we wanted to show that it's not just at the level of the quantum not just but at the level every level including our everyday level where the evidence is that all that we call reality is integral and that it's manifest through through a cosmic hologram, mm -hmm. a cosmic hologram where uh, of cosmic minds. So mm -hmm. that's what the first part of Cosmos is about. Mm -hmm. The second part is about now 
we, what this is revealing, of course, is that we're not just creation, but co-creators yes. of our reality. Yes. So, you know, all the evidence for us as co-creators and that we are much, much vaster than, than many of us might have thought. And the third part of the book is now, what does that mean? As, as, as co-creators, how do we become more conscious co-creators? And therefore, how do we come together in this incredible time to co-create new ways of social um, structures, new ways of politics, new ways of economics. What does it mean on every level of our personal and communal lives, these new shoots? Mm -hmm. And so Cosmos brings all of that together in a very accessible and empowering and we hope inspiring way. Yes. And so do a you a practical way. <laughs> yeah, in a practical way, exactly. So how do you feel people can empower themselves? Do you explore that in the book, some of those? Yes, we do. I, in fact, I explore that in all my books. You know, the 13th step, which has just come out in the States with Hay House, and the 8th chakra that came out about a year ago, which talks of the universal heart and, and, and the portals that are now opening to us, these newly available energies mm -hmm. that enable us to expand our awareness and really bring all that we are, all that the, the spiritual vastness and, and, and glory that we are through our, our human experience. And so all of those books and all my work really is about empowering others to empower themselves. But ultimately, it really is, I suppose, committing in every moment and being gentle with ourselves when we don't live up to this aspiration, mm -hmm. but taking responsibility for our choices and making those choices from love rather than from fear. Yes, yes. And we have such cosmic support, you know, the Aquarian alignment, the, 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 the realms of, of spirit are, are so incredibly supportive yes. to this moment. If we show up, if we in our own lives um, show up to, to mm -hmm. our highest choices, our highest sense of inspiration. Mm -hmm. We have such incredible support to manifest our dreams. Yes, yes. You know, we've, we've just got a new president. I mean, I was in the States for the, the election. How inspiring is it, you know, for Barat to now be the president? There are so many things that are coming forward yes. in our work to say, yes, we can. Yes. Yes, and what an amazing, uh, I was born and raised in the South, and what an incredible a transformation of consciousness for Barack to be our president in the U.S. Because uh, I remember when in this, the sixth grade it was that uh, we began integration. It was a huge, big deal. And so that was not so long ago, and that was right around this, this time when you were talking about the, the south node, this configuration, yeah. but it was the south node, was yeah. right about the time when we started the integration of the schools in the south. So that's interesting that that is, you know... There's nothing by accident. You know, Albert Einstein once said, you can live your life as though nothing's a miracle mm -hmm. or everything's a miracle. And for me, ever, you know, having, you know, walked between worlds and, 
And my mum used to say I talk with anybody, so I've talked with angels and ascended masters <laughs> and, and <laughs> divas and guardians and people uh, and, and great sort of wisdom keepers and, and all of them. Yes. have guided that understanding yes. that everything is meaningful, everything yes. is purposeful. And that was the time when we took that in-breath, as you say, yes. to offer us that potentiality yes. and, and this new way of, of being. Yes. Well, what I'm hearing you uh, say, there there was this open innocence. And I have the image of the fool, you know, in the archetypal, in yeah. the, the, the fool, how the trust and innocence. Uh, you know, and how grace operates when you come, how the universe comes when you have that sort of openness to trust and, um, the, you know, how this, the simpleton, you know, we have those stories, those fairy tales and those stories that talk about the, the simpleton, how he's always, you know, the Forrest Gump, you know, how things always, he's in the right place at the right time and totally supported in his trust and innocence, you know, so... Absolutely. I mean, I've been doing a lot of work on at the moment on the on the the bringing together of the divine feminine and divine masculine. Because when I was in um, in Israel for the thirteenth journey, the thirteenth step, mm-hmm. the, the the ultimate um, work was to to bring the Shekinah, the divine feminine, back into the holy of holies mm-hmm. uh, on Temple Mount. But when we did that work, and I don't write about it in the book because it's been unfolding since then, but I've been working since then, recognizing that the sacred marriage of the divine feminine with the divine masculine was not yet ready to, to be consummated because of the wound in the divine masculine. Yes. And I'm taking it back to Israel in, in early March to, to hopefully culminate this work. And, and really that's at the, 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 the fundamental of the schisms that divide us. But yes. as talking about the fool and the divine fool and the that in a way with the tarot but also the Arthurian legends yes. and the Grail Knight the Grail is the is the culmination of the healing of the finding the Grail of unconditional love and, and, and spiritual transcendence within ourselves. And all of those stories are about the, the, the innocent yes. and the and the transcendence and, and the healing of that wound in the in the in the masculine psyche. Yes. Yes. It's very important. Yes. Well, you know, it's been called the original wound, you know, that all of us carry in our psyche. Exactly, and all of us, of course, are masculine, feminine, and child within us. You know, yes. the, the Indian sages, uh, energetically, the Ida, the Pingala, the Shashumna, mm-hmm. that, that work through our, uh, our, our chakras, uh, are bringing, you know, ultimately bringing together this, this holy, this divine trinity that's within all of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Christ, a child, that, that is our, our, I believe, our cosmic destiny, requires us to, to work to, to heal the that wound within our masculine psyche and then yes. to get divine feminine and, and, and masculine within us. Yes. So how do you feel people can come together to co-create solutions to the problems we're, we're now facing? I really feel that it's it's being opening up in the, the eighth chakra of the universal heart. Uh-huh. Uh, I write about this. There's, there's work on my website. But ultimately, the eighth chakra... Uh, of the universal heart. Some people call it the higher heart, the one heart, the seed of the soul. It's opening for us at the moment. And most people are experiencing energetically between our personal hearts and throats. Yes. And 
to actually open it, I was guided many years ago by spirit, is to bring together the energies of our heart, which is the essence of the divine feminine, mm -hmm. our, our mind, which is the essence of the divine masculine, and our, our, if you like, our solar plexus energy of purpose, which is the divine child. Yes. And then we energetically bring those three together, that holy trinity together, that is that transcendental portal to our highest awareness, yes. uh, to our soul level consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think people can do that. I mean, I've, I've worked with people, many, many thousands of people to help them do this, but that they could do this for themselves every day, for a few minutes every day. It just opens yes. that portal. Yes, and I can certainly attest to that. I have had remarkable, remarkable forward movement in my own uh, evolving consciousness since beginning to work with the eighth chakra and introducing that to other people. It's just been incredible. So I thank you for that. You know, I, I got your audio CD for working with the eighth chakra and it has been a real blessing to have that attunement. So you describe uh, your book, The Thirteenth Step, that has just been published by Hay House in the U.S. as a global journey in search of our cosmic destiny. What do you feel is humanity's cosmic destiny? I, you mentioned already about the Christ uh, uh, consciousness. Um, yeah, I, I do, KG. My sense is that the, my understanding is that the great teachers um, that incarnated on earth at the beginning of the age of Pisces um, were seeding this remembering within ourselves, were seeding the understanding that this is, is our divine fundamental nature, mm -hmm. that we are all Christ. Yes. Um, and that, you know, it's taken that 2,000 years or so of, of the Buddha's teachings and the teachings of Jesus to actually come into fulfillment at this mm -hmm. perfect moment mm -hmm. in time mm -hmm. um, and the book the, the 13th step was really that back in 1998 I was guided to, to, to go to 12 sacred places around the world to activate the Christed consciousness at a planetary level as a, as a grail if you like to offer us collectively this um, uh, embodiment of mm -hmm. Christ awareness and when I thought I'd finished the 12 journeys in 2003 and that was job done and I, I was guided that there needed to be a 13th journey when we actually look at the spiritual traditions around the world so so many of them um, resonate with this 12 into 13 yes. um, of, of that is in fact the ancient chromatic scale of music the 13th note yes. completes an octave and begins the next you know, Christ was, was, was surrounded by 12 disciples. Um, there were many, many spiritual traditions. Arthur with the 12 Grail Knights. Um, ancient Greek myths of the hero, the solar hero, with 12 companions. And so it goes on. Yes. And all of this is pointing us to the embodiment of Christ and consciousness yes. within our human experience. Yes. Um, and interestingly, there's, we talk about the 12 signs of the zodiac, but of course there is a 13th constellation called Ophiuchus mm -hmm. that aligns itself with the galactic center. Yes. And the, um, the glyph of Ophiuchus 
is a human being holding two serpents, if you like, the serpents of the caduceus, the serpents of our DNA, um, of, of galactic humanity. In, in Kabbalah, that would be the perfected human of the Adam Kadmon. So all of these signs are, are showing us the way that this is our leap of consciousness. This is the shift, yes. that we become galactic, we become the Christ of yes. Jesus. Jesus said, he shall do more, you know, you shall do what I do and greater. The yes. elders say we're the ones we've been waiting for. Yes. This is this time. <clears throat> this is, to my understanding, our cosmic destiny. Yes. Yes. Well, it's a wonderful, beautiful, exquisite cosmic destiny for us to have. And it's, it requires a lot of maturation, you know, to be able to, to uh, go through the activation uh, process, yes. to awaken to that. Um, uh, you know, is quite you know that is a, quite a potent journey, and so I think the thirteenth step, you know, is sort of a is sort of like a reflects that cosmic journey in a way from what I'm understanding. You tell tell us about it. So, um, is there any particular uh, place in your journey that was a major highlight, turning point for you that you'd like to share with us? Oh heavens, it, it all was, I suppose. Um, there were amazing experiences. I mean, the journeys began with me um, in, in, in Abydos in Egypt, falling into a 35-foot shaft of water. Oh, wow. And as the water... <laughs> <laughs> it was the initiation of Osiris, and, and as, as the water closed over my head, and I realized that the original baptism was not that that, that John the Baptist um, gave Jesus in the Jordan, but actually the 4,000 years ago, the, the baptism of Osiris, um, the, the, of regeneration. And as the water went over my head, the next thing I knew was that I was sitting on the steps, soaking wet. I'd literally levitated. Oh, so wow. So that sort of started it, but the... But the wow, other, that was quite a start. <laughs> it was a start. It should have given me the real insight into what was to come. It yes. And, and it culminated at the Golden Gate of Jerusalem mm -hmm. uh, on the dawn of the 19th of October 2006 when we, we invited the Shekinah back to the Holy of Holies. But that moment um, was also just before dawn a young boy, as we waited at the Golden Gate for light of dawn to return the Shekinah and the Christed energy back into Jerusalem, a young boy, um, probably the age that Jesus was when he first went into the temple, yeah. uh, came up to us, a boy that was the only beggar we'd ever seen in Jerusalem. And we had been scattering rose petals, the red and the white rose petals, from our, our pilgrimage from the Mount of Olives yes. down through the Valley of Kidron to the Golden Gate um, and this young boy came to us and, and begged for money and my husband Tony gave him the last shekels we had in our pocket and um, as he turned to go I suddenly realized I had a handful of rose petals remaining and I asked him to, to, to come back and as he did I gave him the rose petals and I looked deep into his eyes and hissed into mine and I met my soul brother there. I met oh. Christ there. And he put his hands over 
the rose petals. And as he walked away from us, as far as we could see him, just as dawn broke, his hand remained over those petals as though they were the most precious thing in the world. Oh, oh and that brings tears. <laughs> that brings tears to my eyes. Oh, oh, what a moment! What a treasure! Your whole, you've had such incredible spiritual journeys in your lifetime, Jude. You're, you know, it's so wonderful having you with us. Would you please guide us in one of your meditations? I would love to experience uh, one of your meditations and share that with listeners. I'd be delighted to, KG, oh, to share it with our listeners. And yes, let's do this. Okay. This is what I call a heart-centered soul healing attunement. And it's heart-centered, it's universal heart-centered. And in our attunement, we'll connect energetically with the eighth chakra mm-hmm. of the universal heart. And as you know from your own experience with these attunements, we're going to enable us to integrate our experience, we'll energetically ground ourselves through the ninth chakra, the earth star chakra, that extends about a hand's breadth beneath our feet. So the universal heart of the eighth chakra, people are experiencing midway between our hearts and our throats, and the earth star about a hand's breadth beneath our feet. And these are the two transpersonal chakras of our, what I call our unity or soul level energy field that expands our awareness beyond the perceived limitations of our personality. And from the vantage point of this higher level of awareness, we can see ourselves yeah. and others of the wider cosmos with ever greater understanding of the compassion of unconditional love. Oh, wonderful. Bless you. And to connect with the H chakra universal heart, what we'll be doing as we do in the CD, we'll be energetically bringing together the energetic essence of our heart and mind and purpose. As I said, the divine feminine and masculine and child through our heart and a new, well, it's not a new chakra. The the ancient Egyptians called it the breath of God. which is our higher mind and our solar plexus chakras. And just for our listeners, I'll explain a little more about that alternator chakra. It's actually located at the base of our skull, where our skull and our our backbone meet. And it's now opening up, as is the universal heart. And it is the connection with our higher mind. It's literally been closed down for the vast majority of people for, for many, many years. Spiritual adepts, higher spiritual adepts have known of it, they've they've worked with it, but for many others it's only now just opening up and I think I'm getting many, many emails about people having neck pain and you maybe too and and sort of neck and and upper back pain and it's spontaneously opening and the, the neck and back pain seem to be, the discomfort is part of that opening, but opening it is and that pain does move and as the the song uh, Aquarius says um, and the mind's true liberation the ultimate chakra represents our mind's true liberation that then can combine can commune with our hearts and our solar plexus to then be in the universal heart to bring through our highest purpose and unconditional love So, for all our listeners, before we begin, 
I invite you to find a quiet and comfortable place where you won't be disturbed and settle yourself, preferably sitting upright with your back supported and both feet on the ground. And if you're driving as you're listening to us, please don't do this attunement at this time. Wait until you get home and find that quiet and comfortable place to, to do this work. But for those of us, those of you who are able to be in that place, begin by closing your eyes and taking a few deep breaths. As you take an out breath, feel yourself letting go of any tension or heaviness or any concern with a sigh of release. A real sigh, a deep sigh of releasing all that no longer serves you. And then as you breathe in, feel that you're breathing in the essence of renewal as a gentle joy that flows through you, reaching every part of you and replacing the tension with relaxation and the heaviness with light. And continue to breathe in this way for a few more moments, following the cycles of your out-breath and in-breath, the release and the renewal, deeper and deeper into the core of your being. With each spiral of your breath, feeling more and more at peace. Gently and easily, effortlessly following those spirals of release and renewal to the very core of your being. And now gently shift your attention to your heart chakra. And as you breathe into the essence of its loving energy, take an in-breath. Sense a thread of light flowing into the heart of your heart. And as you do, sense a tiny sphere of light begin to form here. And continue to breathe into this beautiful sphere of heart essence, sensing it growing and brightening with each breath to grow, to be, to become a size that you intuitively know is perfect for you at this time. Mm. And as this beautiful sphere of light, of heart essence, becomes its perfect size for you, feel into its energy of loving compassion, a love that knows all that you are and have ever been and loves you all of you unconditionally beyond the polarities, the perceived polarities of light and shadow to the wholeness and oneness of all that is and all that you are. Now sense this beautiful sphere of heart essence gently move up through your body until it comes to rest at the altar major chakra at the back of your head where your skull and your backbone meet the place of higher mind that is now opening for all of us and as the sphere of heart essence rests here breathe in 
a second thread of light to this place of mind and sense a second sphere of light begin to form here and to grow with each breath within the center of heart, within the sphere of heart energy until it matches it in size. And as you do so, feel yourself energized by the essence of clarity and intuitive wisdom of your higher mind. And now sense the two spheres of heart and mind energy nested within each other, gently merge together to form a single sphere of light, the essence of the divine feminine of heart and the divine masculine of mind balancing and nurturing each other within you. And flow the combined now sphere of light easily and effortlessly down through your body to rest at your solar plexus chakra and to connect with now the essence of your purpose. Breathe deep within your solar plexus chakra as this beautiful sphere of energy rests here and sense a third sphere of light begin to form and to grow in size and brightness until it matches the others. As it does, feel yourself embodying your highest intention and purpose. And as the sphere expands to match that of heart and mind, feel the three come together to merge in a single unified one. Heart, mind and purpose, balanced and whole. And finally, sense the one combined sphere of light. Move gently up through your body to rest midway between your heart and your throat. Hmm. The location of the eighth chakra of the universal heart. And breathe into this portal of your highest awareness. And as you do, sense it opening like the, port the petals of a beautiful spiritual flower opening to the cosmic light of spirit. And as you continue to breathe through the universal heart, extend your awareness down through your body to and through the ninth earth star chakra beneath your feet and on deeper and deeper to the heart of Gaia, the living earth. And as you reach her heart, feel a returning pulse of her loving energy, her life-giving energy, rise up and through the earth star, on and up through the universal heart, and on to the highest realms of spirit, connecting you with your highest awareness, guidance, and purpose. And a returning pulse of unconditional love flowing from there, from your highest self and all that is, into the universal heart. And now breathe into the universal heart and inwardly call on your highest guidance for remembering and healing into the wholeness of who you really are, trusting that whatever comes forward is for your highest good 
and your highest purpose in service to this shift of consciousness that we are all fellow travelers on. And I'll hold the space for you to do this just for a few moments at this time, but this is a place of the eternal here and now, the connection, the oneness that is all of us to be in whenever, whenever, whenever and wherever you choose. Gently now bring your awareness fully back into your body. Hmm. We are, all of us, co-creators of our realities. We are the one that is expressed through the many. We are the microcosm of the one that journeys our unique path. And we are now coming together to co-create heaven on Mother Earth. Truly a homecoming. Truly the fulfillment of our cosmic destiny. Namaste. Mm, namaste. Oh, that was absolutely wonderful. Oh, I feel like I just want to go be in the energy now. (laughs) (laughs) Which (laughs) I'm glad we're at the end, so I can we can. (laughs) I want to go off and have some more experiences in this wonderful space. So, oh, so do you have anything else you'd like to share with us? Are there any upcoming events you have that you would like to? tell our listeners about or anything in particular you want to share? Thank you. Thank you for that invitation. Um, Any events forthcoming, uh, our listeners can go to my website, as you said, judecoven.com. But a few things. um, I'm leading a prophet's conference to the sacred island of Malta in May. 
um, and their website, Prophets Conferences, I'm sure many of our listeners know them, is at uh, greatmystery.org. It will be an absolutely transformational journey and bringing together the divine masculine and feminine in the sacred marriage to birth the divine child within us. Malta is an amazing, amazing place. Again, yes, go is. to their website. Oh, well, you know, so you can vouch for that. And I'm also visiting um, the States uh, in late June, mm-hmm. and I'll be teaching a workshop at Omega Institute. Oh, last wonderful. Yeah, in in New York week. or down in Texas? I'll be, I'll be actually in New York. I'll be at the Rhinebeck, the Rhinebeck. Uh, campus. Um, and I, I also hope to return in November. So again, if you look at my website, uh, Omega haven't got their website uh, showing the, the workshop yet. It'll be up there late February, so people can start to book in early March. Mm-hmm. But you can see the date details already on my website. Oh, wonderful! All right. So well, thanks. Oh, you are most welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Jude. It has been such a pleasure and a great honor to have you on the show. So everyone, please remember to visit Jude's website, judecurvin.com, to learn more about her and her work and her upcoming sacred journeys. That's judecurvin.com. Have a beautiful day, a warm mahalo to everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again, Jude. It's been an absolute pleasure. Bless you, Katie, and thank you to all our listeners. God bless you all.